of you who are parents who are visiting us for the first or multiple times, welcome. We hope you enjoy today. Um, yeah, for those of you guys who don't know, um, we're having a little celebration for those who are graduating um, after service today. So, all right, let's open our Bibles, everybody, to Philippians 1. So I was looking on the internet, and um, I was like, I wonder how many denominations there are. Kind of a fun question. Anyone want to throw out a guess? Huh? 325. Okay. Anyone else? 7,000. Okay. One more guess. Anyone else? 1,400. According to the websites that I checked out, Okay, I'm not claiming 100% validity. There's estimated to be 33,000 Christian denominations out there. Um, <coughs> yeah, which is kind of crazy. And, um, and recently, one of the things that we've been doing, um, Ryan and I, we've been thinking about uh, education and schooling choices for our kids. And we've, up to this point, had our kids in... Um, just like in, a, in an immersion school where they're learning Chinese and it's 100% in Mandarin and it's been a really awesome process um, and we've really, really loved the educational system that we were in. Uh, but then a couple things kind of happened recently and we were just thinking um, for the next eight years of their life because uh, my kids are about to enter into first grade and kindergarten, what kind of school do we want them to be in and what kind of environment do we want them to be in? And um, and we realized, like, over the course of um, when my kids first started school, they're really, really, like, we'd pray with them every night, and they'd be really excited. And, um, and in the beginning of the year, uh, McKenna would say things like, yeah, you know, Mom, I think I might want to change schools because we're the only um, people who know Jesus here. And every single day she would come to school and uh, come home, and she'd be like, I don't know, maybe this person knows Jesus. And then she would go and have conversations with them. And then she'd find out that they didn't. And over, um, and then just more recently, I remember asking her, I said, baby, um, do you still want to go to a school where there's more people who know Jesus? And she said, uh, I don't know. I don't know if there's anything different. And, you know, she's kind of like, over time, kind of gradually just, I mean, I know that all kids kind of go through this phase, but be like, do you want to pray tonight? Nah. You know? And there was something that was kind of grieving in my heart because I felt like, oh, man. As a parent, one of the things that we want most is that our kids are happy, right? But what does happiness mean? For me, what that definition means is a life where they know where true happiness really lies, and that's in Christ. There's a lot of other things that I have value for. I was pub as a product of public education, really believe in it. I was going to be a public education teacher um, and really like had a deep value for our kids um, being able to navigate the spaces between the world and the church. But as, as we kind of started praying about it, I realized that there was something my heart was longing for more and more. And so we went and we checked out this Christian school. And I realized 
as I was there, I had all this fear kind of rising up. It's like, yeah, man, why am I so uncomfortable with the idea of this, like, Christian school environment? It was nothing that the school actually did. But I realized in the back of my head there was fear that it would somehow make my kids actually not want God. That they see too much religion and that they would actually become disengaged. You know, um, I don't know what the statistics are. I'm not super excited about looking them up. But usually when, peop- when k- pastors have kids, the, there's a thing, there's this thing about pastors' kids. And many of them are not super interested in God because they grew up in an environment where there's too much of it. And I realized I was kind of like thinking, wow, God, what do we do in this, this situation? And, I, and the Lord really um, spoke to me. And so I want to lead into uh, First Philipp- Philippians chapter 1, verse 15. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that, in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that I rejoice. Father God, we just thank you for your scriptures. We thank you for your presence, God. We thank you that through your word, through your presence, you speak to us about the ways that we should go and what the truths of the kingdom are. And And we just continue. We know that you're here, but we just continue, Holy Spirit, to invite you to speak to each and every one of our hearts and our lives, to draw us closer to you and the things that matter to you, God. May we be able to set aside the things that we think that matter and be able to embrace the things that you say that matter. In Jesus' name, amen. The reason why this scripture became really, um, the Lord spoke to me through it was, the Lord said, you have greater confidence in the power of religion and the enemy than in me. And he said, what I want to challenge you is have greater confidence in God than in the impurity or corruptibleness of the messengers. I want to say that again. I want you to have greater confidence in me than in the impurity or corruptibleness of the messengers. I think the reality is, especially in Berkeley, um, we hear a lot about the shortcomings and the places that the church isn't doing the things that she should be doing. We live in an area where over and over again, the the shortcomings of the body of Christ are ever prevalent and things that we must deal with and reconcile with. And for me, and this may not be for everyone in the room, I realized that there was a place in my heart that had fear 
that those things could be more powerful than our God himself. But then what he said was, what he showed me was the power of Jesus is so much greater that he didn't even care what motive people were preaching it with. Like I think a lot of times when we think about all the different churches that are in our city or the different churches in our nation or the different churches in the world, it's so easy to, for us to think, well, that one preaches the prosperity gospel. This one preaches on this. This one emphasizes this too much. This one does this too much. And this one doesn't do that enough. And this one focuses on judgment too much and sin too much. And this one's too happy right? And I feel like we have so many ways that we delineate what we think the truth is. But I feel like the Lord's saying, like, if I waited for a perfect church and for perfect people to be the instruments of my gospel message, there would be no gospel message to be preached, if I waited for someone who was worthy to be the one to share, I, there would, the church would never have grown. He picked Peter, a guy who actually be, denies him, to be the first person to build the church. He builds the church on that guy. And that boggles my mind because as people who are representatives of the church for some people and the voice of God for many people, that's a really big responsibility, right? And I don't ever want us to sound like, man, this is a license to not do this with responsibility and to do it well. Because the word of God is really clear that those who are teaching are held to a higher standard than those who aren't. But at the same time, I think we can sometimes get really um, attached to the idea that the body needs to look a specific way and that, and it's very easy to become people who become very rigid when we think about maybe not our church, right? I'm not saying like ours, but like a lot of times we think this, right? Maybe it's not our church, but we don't really like how those people out there do it. We've seen the brokenness that has happened in that place. We've been hurt by the brokenness that has happened in that place. We see the sin that has happened in those manifestations. And it's really hard to move beyond that. And, to st and we start to favor. And we start to criticize. And we start to wonder about the validity and who Jesus really is in the midst of that. And I just want to say that the Lord knew when he sent, sent the disciples out, when he sent you and me and put us on this world, that there were going to be ways that we weren't going to do this well and there are going to be ways that we do. And I think that when we look at any 
of the body of Christ, what I want to challenge us to do is to look at her through the eyes of Christ. In Proverbs 6.16, it says, These six things the Lord hates, yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, and a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among brethren. Before Jesus leaves the earth, he says in his prayer in John 17 is that, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, and that they may be, be, oh, I'm going to just turn here. John 17, sorry, guys. I uh, scribbled my notes, and uh, now I can't read my own writing. <laughs> so John 17, um, 20, it says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. <coughs> so I want us to just like recognize that this really matters to the Lord. There, I have a bunch of other scriptures here that talk about how deep grieving it is when we are picking his bride apart it doesn't really matter I think like a lot of times people think man it's great to feel great about my church we want people to join my church right let's bring them here because I don't know how th those churches will teach about those things we can see the ways that they don't necessarily we don't agree but I just want us to know, like, to God, all of us are his church. Whether it be in these walls or the, the walls across that way down the street, when we can only see, I'm not saying that we don't see it, but when we only see where we all fall short, it, and we talk, we we pit each other against each other, you know. Those kinds of things really grieve the heart of God. When we just think that we're the only ones and we're the only one who has a monopoly on what's right, it's deeply grieving to Jesus. I'd like us to turn also now to... Um, I think it's Joshua. Hang on. Yeah, Joshua 5, verse 13. 
When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No. <laughs> but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. It always, I love this because I think we live in a society where things are pretty polarized. People are always trying to pick sides. Even in our church, we had a point about five years into our church where um, we couldn't come to agreement on certain things. And it was always very tempting for people to ask, so, you know, so where do you stand, right? But really, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be really honest, like, it doesn't matter. There is no side. There is no side. There is God's way, and every church on earth is either on that side or not. There is no, is this the right church or is this the right church? Is this the way we do it or is that the way we do it? It's what is God's way of doing it and are we doing it that way? And I'm gonna tell you, every single church has some areas where they're doing that really well and every single one has certain areas where they're not doing that very well. And it's really easy for us we are a hypercritical society these days. Hyper, hyper alert to the places where people are not doing things perfectly. And we like to talk about it. We like to call it out. And it happens a lot in the body of Christ. And I'm not saying there are places that there is no room for negotiation. Jesus is the Christ. He is the Son of God. He came he died, he rose again. That is not negotiable. If that's negotiable, then you're not a Christian, okay? There are those areas. But in terms of our emphasis, in terms of our expression, in terms of priorities in how the service is run and what becomes our secondary priorities, those things are going to vary a lot, There's only one side, and that's God's side or not. And I just felt like that really was the, the message on my heart recently, and I don't know why, but over and over again when, um, when I was spending time with the Lord, I felt like the Lord was just like saying, I think sometimes we get caught in those details, and it kind of leaves us in a place where we must insist on how right we are. And I think the only thing that matters about how right we are is whether we recognize who the Lord is. Are we loving one another? Are we adhering and believing that this is the authoritative word of God? Is that where we are aligning ourselves? And are we part of sowing division and judgment within the body of Christ or are we part of those who are advocating and preparing the bride for Christ's return helping to keep her whole 
Or are we a part of the words and the accusations that are tearing her apart and sowing differences in discord? Are we helping to make more than 33,000 denominations out there? Or are we actually able to see that that is one body? There are going to always be areas that we disagree on. I think the truths of God, there are some that are absolute because there are absolute truths, but there are areas that are intention. God judges and he's merciful. There's joy and there's sadness. He says to us, take care of the poor, but he also says the poor will always be with you. He says there's an eternity, live for that. But he also says, but while you're here on earth, you've got to make this place reflect the kingdom of God. It's attention. And we're in, when we're young, we don't understand tension well. Like, like Disney movies, the villains are so clearly the villains. And the good guys are so clearly the good guys. But as we grow up, there is a component where some of these things, the Lord is both lion and lamb. And there are going to be parts of the body who are really good at emphasizing the goodness of God. But there are going to be some parts of the body who are really good at calling people to repentance. Both have to exist together. We are part of one body. When one part says that they're the only voice out there, we all suffer. And so I want us to be able to embrace the fact that there are some things that can be held in tension and that we can love each other and have value. We don't always have to agree. In our day and age, agreement, because of our insecurities, we almost require agreement because when people agree with us, it makes us feel good. It confirms that we're okay. But, and when someone disagrees with us, it shakes us to the very depth of our fiber of our being, as if someone's agreement is our identity. But it's okay to disagree. We have to just understand that a nose thinks smelling is the most important thing, right? And a foot feels like standing is the most important thing, but we are all doing the same thing. And what matters at the end of the day is that we're marching to a place where we're all going to be confronted with our God face to face and we're going to be held accountable. What did we do with Jesus? That is the question at the end of the day. So do the nose thing if you're a nose, but don't make someone else feel bad that they're not. Um, I just want to, um, I think that's what the last thing I had to say, but I just, um, I felt that on my heart really deeply. And I, um, the other thing I wanted to say, and what I really love about our impact makers, our impact makers is it calls the different people who, um, who are in our community who feel like, man, I really have a heart for education. I really have a heart for the arts. I have a really have a heart for business or family or the church. And we just say, hey, let's all come together and let's talk about how we're going to use, we're going to be a body together, but let's also find the other people who are called to those areas, and let's, let's uh, support each other. I think that's really powerful. I know a lot of times um, it's easy to say, man, I really like that place because they're all like me. 
You know, like all of us are champion, championing. Yeah? Okay. Ah, yay! Yeah, like we're all fighting for the same cause. We all care about that one thing. It makes me feel really good, like validated, you know? But really, what I believe the body of Christ looks like globally is going to be a whole lot of people doing a whole lot of different things. So we need to know our role and feel comfortable and confident that it's okay that that's our role. There's a lot of brokenness in the world that needs a lot of fixing. We're not going to all be fixing the same parts. You know? And so sometimes we recognize that not everyone's part gets equal voice. It's not that those parts aren't important. It's just there's only so many people up here, <laughs> and they only see the world in, in, in the way that they see the world. We see things through our strengths, and that's why we need lots of different parts of the body to raise up and to know who they are and to come into their being as a person and a voice in Christ. I think we're very used to saying, man, just because that person's loudest and they get the most airtime, that's the most important thing. That's not how God sees it. What he says is, when you see him, he's going to be like, what did I give you? What did you do with what I gave you? It's not going to work that, well, but the place that I was in didn't do those things. Well, what did I give you? And what did you do with those things? And did, were you a benefit to that place bringing that? Or were you upset that they didn't do that thing? Were you able to be constructively additive, bringing color and voice and beauty and more diversity to the body so that we could see her in greater fullness? Or were you a part of tearing her apart and criticizing and breaking the thing down. All right. Okay, I think I got it all out, guys. <laughs> all right, let's stand. Ening and the worship team, would you guys come up and play something pretty? <laughs> yeah. And convicting? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> So for any of you guys where there was a part of that that resounded for you, just, you know, just put your hand on your heart. And for the rest of us, let's just pray. <sighs> Father, we just love you. And we ask, Father, that any part that we are in this body, I pray that you would affirm. I pray, Lord God, um, that you would forgive us as a body for the ways that we've made different parts feel like they're not as important and that there are better parts than others. Jesus, we are all living and wanting to glorify your name. Let us be able to know what our part is and how we can do that best. And I pray, Father God, for our part as the ark in relationship to the rest of the body in this area and in, the, in our nation, in our world, that you would help us know what our part is to bless the rest of the body as well. Let us be voices 
that build and not tear down. Let us use our gifts to bless and to advance and not pull back and destroy. But in the areas where we do need to know what is not compromisable, I pray for that as well. Make those things not confusing. Yeah, we love you, Jesus. Have your way here and on earth, God. Amen. For those of you guys who want prayer, please, there will be some people up here.